You're listening to the Matthew Sermon Series at Sojourn J-Town. In this series, we're following Jesus as He calls us to take on His yoke so that we might experience true flourishing. Hey, my name is Lyle. If we've never met before, uh, once again, thanks for joining us uh, online. And so as you can tell with uh, the reading of the text, we're going to take just a a little one-week break out of Matthew and do what I always kind of want to do. I always talk about this a lot with everyone, is I always want to do a follow-up sermon. I think every every sermon needs a follow-up sermon, so that's what I'm going to do this morning. I'm just going to quickly kind of do a follow-up sermon uh, to last week. And I just want to... um, because uh, we talked about last week that that true faith, kind of genuine faith, is a faith that hangs on, it it perseveres, it endures, and so I just want to answer one question um, this morning. I just want to answer a question to then: How does that kind of faith hang on? Like, how do we how do we do this, Lyle? And so that's what my my goal is, and then we'll jump back in uh, to Matthew next week. Uh, so I've I've got a house full of runners, uh, which um, yeah. It's, it, it's interesting for me when I think about my life. Um, so my wife and I, we run for our own, in, for our own sanity uh, to kind of deal with stress and all that goes on in our life. And our four boys, they run uh, at some competitive level, level, either middle school, high school, or at the collegiate level. And the thing that I'm just, uh, you know, um, you know, stunned about, or not stunned, I guess that's not a good word, and just so proud of my kids about is that Cross-country and running competitively is just a miserable sport. I mean, it is, like, there's a lot that's really enjoyable about it, but when you just think about the work that they do, especially when you go and watch a race, man, it is, it is brutal. And I'm just so impressed on how our, our kids persevere and endure through the brutalness of some of those races. I've ran a few competitive races before, uh, back when I was younger, I've run a, a couple of mini marathons. And, and I'm sure if you've ran in any kind of race or done any kind of sport, you can probably resonate with this. You, you always get to a place where you sort of hit a wall. Like you're just, you're done. Like you're exhausted. Uh, you don't want to go on. Uh, you want to walk. <laughs> just, you just want to be finished. Like you just hit this wall and it's almost impossible uh, to get through it. I was listening this week uh, of a guy who was sharing his experience of, of running a Chicago marathon a few years ago. And he said that when he ran the Chicago marathon, it was one of the hottest days of the year. It was like 100 degrees when, they, uh, when he ran it. And uh, the people that are putting this race on didn't prepare properly because they weren't expecting it to be that hot. And they actually uh, ran out of water. And he said they were giving beer out <laughs> to help runners uh, get through this uh, marathon, which that's just, uh, that sounds really nasty. I don't know what you think. Maybe you would think that'd be a great little refreshment in, in the midst of a marathon. But he remembers, he was sharing at the, um, at the 17 mile mark, man, like he hit a wall. Like he, was, he was done. I mean, uh, there was no pep talk, no cheering from the sidelines that was going to get him through this. Like he had hit a wall and he was ready to give up. And he had a, a, a partner that was training with him or actually did the training for with him. He was kind of like ran a bunch of marathons. And so he was kind of like spearheading all the training. And he was running with him as his friend. And this is what he uh, said to him. And uh, I got this quote on the screen. I thought it was really uh, good for us to see. 
He said this to him, uh, doesn't matter how you feel the entire race. And first of all, like this guy must be in impeccable shape to be able to, to, to read this two or three sentences here in the middle of a, a marathon. Like I would be, you know, passing out trying to do this. But doesn't matter how you feel the entire race. It only matters when you want to quit. <laughs> it only matters when you don't go on. Perseverance doesn't matter when you feel great. It matters for this moment. You didn't train to feel good. You trained to get through it. Let's persevere. And he goes on to share the story that that was what he needed to kind of get through the wall and finish the race. I don't know about you, but I I think a lot of us may have uh, kind of hit the quarantine wall, (laughs) maybe. Uh, We've been at this for about seven weeks now, maybe eight weeks, depending on how you, how you look at it. And a lot of us maybe are just saying enough, you know, we're done. You know, I, I did a few scans on the internet. I, I saw where the California, I guess last week they had a, a really unseasonably warm day, warm day and everybody went out in droves in the beaches. And I found a picture, you see it on the screen now. I, I think it's been on the media and people talking about how they shouldn't have done that. Uh, I think Michigan's going nuts. There's people going to the Capitol at Michigan there and protesting. I found uh, this one picture, and I just thought that the sign there was even Pharaoh freed slaves during a plague, which is a pretty creative sign, I thought. And so, I mean, I think all of us are kind of, you know, at different places. It's funny how when this all began, we feel a high level of anxiety and fear. And now I think a lot of us in our worst moments are really angry and uh, very angsty, uh, so to speak. But uh, I think there's something instinctively in us, and you know, whether it's quarantine issues or running issues, where where we want to kind of give up. That we want to, when it gets hard, when it gets difficult, we want to be done. I noticed this this week. I'd never seen this before. Uh, but one of the primary strategies that the devil uses against the saints is he just wants to wear you out. In Daniel 7, verse 25, uh, it says this, speaking of the devil, that's the he there, he will speak against the most high and oppress his saints and try to change the set times and the law. That, That word oppress can also be translated wear out. So one of... Satan's primary strategies against the saints, or, or another way you can say that, against those who are followers of Jesus Christ, is he just wants to wear you out. So Satan doesn't need, um, need you to kind of like commit some horrific sin. He doesn't need you to, you know, blow your life up with some affair or some massive addiction or some crazy scandal. Um, all he needs from us, and this is the primary strategy, he just needs to kind of wear you out to where you get to a place where you say, I'm done, I give up, I want to be out. I mean, we need to hear this over and over, that this is one of the enemy's primary strategies is to get you to give up. I mean, there is such a thing as spiritual fatigue where you hit a wall. As a psalmist, uh, David says, and I saw this a couple weeks ago or a few days ago in Psalm 6 where he just says you're, you're just kind of worn out. 
and you want to tap the eject button. That's why what we saw last week with the Canaanite woman was so hopefully encouraging to you and it's encouraging to me because you can even uh, take the episode with the Canaanite woman and parallel your own life. Like your whole life with God, your journey with God can kind of be seen in these different episodes that the Canaanite woman, we've all had seasons where it seems like God is silent. We've all had seasons where God was saying no. We've all had seasons where the church that's supposed to be helpful doesn't seem like they're helping me much. We've all had seasons where you have all these confusing words, you're just really not sure what in the world God is doing. But, but as we saw in that episode with the Canaanite woman, all these things that this woman experienced from Jesus was not Jesus trying to be harsh. He wasn't trying to be mean or unkind or care, uncaring or even aloof, but, but rather what we see is Jesus strengthening her. What, rather what we see here is, is Jesus, you know, um, building in her what she needs, and that is a faith that hangs on, that perseveres, because if one of the primary strategies of the enemy is to wear you out, then one of the primary strategies of our good Father is to help you persevere, is to help you endure, to strengthen, to grow, to help your faith have a fortitude about it. So the question, like I said at the very beginning then, is then how, Lau? How do I, how do I hang on? You know, how do I, in those moments when I hit a wall or in those moments when I'm just, I'm worn out, I'm done, I want to quit, I want to be out of this, how do I persevere? How do I endure? How do I hang on? Well, that's where our passage comes in this morning, out of Hebrews uh, chapter 12. In Hebrews, man, you can sort of make the argument that the book of Hebrews is all about enduring because these are, these are brand new Christians who are um, dealing with a lot of persecution and the writer of Hebrews is coming back to them and in essence saying, look, hang on, hang on. There's something better beyond the wall, hang on. And I think in these first three verses of chapter 12, we see kind of the key to answering this question of how do I persevere? How do I endure? Look what he says here starting in verse one. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, which is given, uh, you know, uh, back to chapter 11. This is what he's talking about. We talked about this cloud of witnesses. And, and the reason why I use the running illustration at the beginning is this is the, the metaphor that's being used here in these first three verses of chapter 12. But when you picture the cloud of witnesses, don't, don't picture um, uh, witnesses that are kind of like spectators in a stadium that are cheering you on, even though... That probably is there, you know what I'm saying? There's a way in which they're seeing what's going on in this world. I don't know how it's all happening, but there's a way they're, they're encouraging us. But that's not primarily what the writer's wanting us to see. What we're supposed to see primarily is that we're looking to these men and women for inspiration to persevere, to endure, to keep on. It's what we see in them, not necessarily what they're seeing in us. So there's something we're to see in them as our example to help us see, yes, I can get through this wall. I can hang on. And, and actually, I even have more than what everyone in chapter 11 has. I have the fuller revelation of God in and through his son, Jesus. So look what else he says, continuing in verse 1. So since we're surrounded by this great cloud of witness, let us then therefore throw off everything that hinders the sin that, e that so easily entangles, and then let us run with perseverance, there's our word. You could translate it endurance. Let us run with perseverance, the race marked out 
for us. This idea of endurance and perseverance is a, is a way, it's like a picture of trusting God for longer and longer stretches of time through greater degrees of difficulty, not swerving or giving up despite our circumstances. And then he goes on in verse 2, and he continues to say like, okay, we're going to run this race with endurance and perseverance. So let us fix our eyes on Jesus. So we, we look to the cloud of witnesses that have gone before us for inspiration, but we fix our eyes on Jesus because we not only need inspiration to continue on, we need an empowerment, right? So, so that's what Jesus does for us. Not only is he the greatest example and the greatest inspiration, but he's also the presence that empowers us to continue on. Look what else he says here in verse 2. So fix our eyes on Jesus, the author. He's the, the lead example of trust in God and the perfecter. He's able to carry through completely of our faith. And so look, the writer here is not putting Jesus as just one of many runners here, right? He's not just like kind of tagged on to the end of chapter 11. Hey, here's another runner, so to speak. No, the writer of Hebrews is helping us see that he is the one that we're to look to. He is the one that we're to fix our eyes on because for the first time, the name of Jesus is mentioned since chapter 10. So since chapter 10, the name of Jesus has not been mentioned until here in 12 verse 2. And that is to give us a special emphasis. He is the one that we're to fix our eyes on. And then we read on the rest of verse 3 and we see the key to enduring, to the key to hanging on here. Look what he says here. Who for the joy set before him, and here's our word, endured the cross, scorning its shame, set down at the right hand of the throne of God, Consider him. This is the first command in these three verses. Consider him. Consider Jesus. And what did he do? He endured. There's our word again. Such opposition from sinful man so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Or another way you can translate that, so that you won't give up. So that you will hang on. So the key here, did you see that? The key to enduring. The key to uh, getting through the wall, the key to not growing weary is right here at the first part of verse 3 where it says the joy that was set before Jesus enabled and empowered him to endure the cross. So what is this joy that was set before him? Well, what was before him was a vision of the future, what was going to happen as a result of enduring the cross. And in this text, it shows some multifaceted layers here, I think. Uh, but the first one is this, is that what he had in the future, what he set before him was this idea that he was going to sit down at the right hand of the throne of God. He was going to reign with God. That, that all that was accomplished through his life, death, burial, and resurrection would now be put into effect. Without him sitting at the right hand of the Father or the ascension of Jesus Christ, like none of this would be in effect here. We wouldn't benefit from the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. This is what he set before him. And not only that, he also set the glory, the honor, the praise, the, uh, the fame of God was always set before him. That's also helped him endure the cross. And not only do we see him sitting down, that set before him, you know, the ascension of Jesus, the glory of God the Father, but also our salvation, 
the joy that was set before him, in essence, was also us. Like he knew what was going to accomplish for us, this undoing of sin, us being brought back home with God in relationship with him, that death and, and, you know, disease and sickness would be all done away with because of his salvation. This was all set before him that caused and empowered him to endure, to stay, to hang on. And look, like we get this, like we do this all the time in our normal life, like just normal living, whether we consciously aware of it or not, we do it all the time. Like if we have a, a long week at work, I mean, what do, we, what do we normally do? If we have a long, difficult, hard week at work, we set something before us, right? We, we lay something before us that in, then helps us endure what's going on in work. My brother right now, uh, he's on this kind of um, uh, rotation where he works like, you know, four out of five days, these 12 to 14 hour days. But then after this rotation, he got five days off, which is like... That's like a mini vacation. So every like couple weeks, he's getting like a little mini vacation. And so when you're in the midst of this 14-hour day, you're exhausted, you're tired. Well, what helps you endure? Well, what's before you? I get a little five-week break. Some of you are feeling this if you're a middle school or a high school student or in college here, school. I mean, you got tests, you got projects, you got papers, whatever it is, you're annoyed frustrated because you hate online school, whatever, but what is getting through you t- these next two weeks is what's before you, what's set before you. There's, there's light at the end of the tunnel, as we would say. There's, you're going to be done. You're going to be on summer break. Things are going to be great. Same with like labor and delivery of a child. I mean, I obviously have never done that, but I've been a, seeing all that. What gets you through that pain where you just want to say, I'm done, giving up? Not only does drugs help, but also... Uh, the, the joy that's set before you, a child, you just, there's nothing like it to hold your own child and your baby in your arms. That joy set before you helps you endure the pain. And guys, this is exactly what Jesus did. The joy that was set before him, laid before him, helped him endure the cross. Viktor Frankl um, wrote a book called A Man's Search of Meaning. I think I've got a a slide up here. Um, He's the father of this therapy called Logotherapy. And and he was one who was in the death camps in World War II and obviously survived. And as a psychologist, and what kind of the essence of this book is, is um, he basically noticed that when he was in these death camps, um, those who made it and those who kind of hit a wall and just gave up and they quit. And what he noticed was kind of the importance of like meaning, like having um, a purpose beyond what they're experiencing in the present. And so what he noticed that those who made it through, uh, and everyone kind of hit this wall, he would say, but those who made it through this wall or ones who talked about the things they were going to do once they got out of this camp, or they talked about the favorite things that they would get back to after all of this was over. And that was a means by which that would help them endure some of the horrific things that they endured in the death camps. So they set something before them. Think about this. 
that pulled them into the future, right? So they set something before them that pulled them into the future that enabled them to endure and hang on in the present. And that's what Jesus did here. And this is the key for us to endure, to have a faith that hangs on. We've got to lay the right things before us. So if we're going to endure, if we're going to hang on, I know this is not an exhaustive list, but I do think this is a primary thing we've got to think on. If we're going to, because we'll all get to that wall, every single one of us, sometime in your life, and it won't be just one time, it might be several times, and you want to be done, you want to push eject, get out of here, all of us will get there. And if we're going to do, endure, if we're going to hang on, then we must lay the right things before us. So what are you setting before you? Paul says in Philippians, to set our minds on things above where, where Jesus is. There's, there's, there's something there. He's not trying to you know, get us to the place where we just you know, always thinking up here to where we're not doing anything in our local earthly level. No, there, there's something about setting our gaze up, getting a vision for the future that empowers and enables us to endure here. The writer of Hebrews just said here, fix our eyes on Jesus. He's not just our inspiration, but he's also an empowerment. So, we're, so how are we laying the very words of Jesus before us and getting a vision of the future that he has for us and getting that before us then also has a way of helping us endure, hang on in the present. So look, what would it look like this week for you to take some time to think on the joyful things that are in your future if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And yeah, I mean, I'm not saying this is wrong. Some of what helps us endure this quarantine is hopefully the other side of this where we can someday be in person with people and talk with them and, and hug someone that's not just your family, right? Um, or high five somebody that's not just your family, Maybe to go eat at your favorite restaurant. Those are all wonderful things and they help us endure this quarantine. I'm talking more like our own journey with God in this life where it can be really hard and difficult. What are you laying before you? How can you get a vision what God has for your future and think on that this week? Put that before you. Meditate on it. Consider it. Look, guys, if we are going to endure, if I'm going to endure, if I'm going to hang on, if the true nature of faith is, is to hang on, to persevere, to endure, then I must lay the right things before me. So what are you setting before you? Jesus endured. He hung on. He went through the cross because of the joy that was set before him. So look, and I'll close with this. Um, I really do encourage you, like I, you know, I encourage you to 
to take some space here and really consider what is it that I'm putting before me and spend some time this week meditating and thinking about the future that God has for you. But I just want to kind of close this out here uh, this morning real quickly here. And because sometimes you can listen to this, even last week's sermon and even some of this week, and, it, and maybe, um, maybe it feels like you are, are hearing from me kind of like more of like, um, are you just telling me to try harder, right? Is that all you're telling me to, I got I to, gotta, you know, work harder, you know, pull up my bootstraps, whatever the heck that means. Nobody ever has to do that anymore, but it's a cliche that we use quite often to, to work harder, try harder, and because, you know, you, you talk a lot, Lyle, about this gospel being, you know, free. It's the grace of God. It's this one-way love. And it's not about what we do. It's also and primarily about what Christ has done. And so here's how I would just quickly answer that. I would say, um, I would say uh, yes and no, all right? And here's what I mean by that. One of the things that I've been struck with as we work through the book of Matthew is that Jesus is always um, working with people where they are, like, it's not cookie cutter. He doesn't have a formula of how he's working with each human being that he's talking with. So with one rich guy, he says, hey, you need to go sell everything you have in order to follow me. With another rich guy, he says, hey, you only need to sell half. <laughs> so which is it? That's not the point. Jesus knows people's hearts. And he knows how to kind of lead and counsel and give them direction. And so here's what I would say for some of you that are listening to this and you're thinking about this idea of hanging on true nature of faith and that I got to set things before me in order for me to endure, you need to try harder. You do. You need to do what Paul says in Philippians, and that is you need to work out your salvation. Some of you are, or some of us, I'm not going to even put you in there, some of us are like spiritual jellyfishes. We're just floating around. There's no centeredness about us. There's no weight about us. There's there's no depth about us. And it's almost like we're kind of content with that. And look, God is inviting you to so much more. And he's also wanting you to hear these warnings. Like, look, if you don't hang on, if you don't endure, if you don't persevere, you won't make it. You're going to hit a wall. You're going to hit a difficulty. You're going to hit a hardship. Life is hard for everyone. It's not a respecter of persons, right? You're going to get there. And this shallow, inch deep kind of understanding of the things of Jesus is not going to get you to endure, to persevere, to get to the end. And for some of us here, yeah, we need to try harder. We need to work harder. We need to work out our salvation. We need to lay the words of Jesus before us so that we can get a vision of what he has for us that will help us endure the difficulties and the hardships that we are facing in the present. So yeah, for some of us, the call, yeah, you need to try harder. But others of us that have a a tender conscience that's more soft-hearted toward the things of God. And when we hear these messages like we heard that true nature of faith is hang on, you gotta, you got to lay things before you if you're going to hang on and endure. When we hear those, we, we kind of feel guilt. We feel bad about ourselves. I'm not doing enough. And here's my encouragement for you. You don't need to try harder. You need to learn how to rest harder. You need to realize and know that Jesus has got you, that you're okay, that 
that his grip on you is greater than yours. Corey Ten Boon, another Holocaust survivor, once said this, and I think it's on the screen here. If God sends us, if God sends us on strong paths, we are provided strong shoes. And that is so good. If God sends us on strong paths, we are provided strong shoes. Look, the journey is long. Endurance is hard. And you will hit a wall and you might hit several of them. But Jesus is our hope. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. We can trust him. And Corey Ten Boone's words here remind us that we will have everything we need to withstand what comes. As David said in his most popular psalm, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. He is your shepherd. You shall not be in want. Put this before you. Lay this before you. And allow it to give you the strength and the capacity to endure in the present. Let's pray. Hey, I'm Lyle Drury and the lead pastor at Sojourn Church, J-Town. Thanks for listening. We are here to reach people with the gospel, build them up as a church, and send them into the world to be a faithful, loving presence. For more sermons, info about our church, or ways you can support our ministry, visit sojournchurch.com slash J-Town.